If you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3, that is where we're going to be this evening. As Pastor Victor just said, we are sealing up our series in the book of Colossians tonight. So I'm going to round out this series with these kind of final five verses. Um, However, tonight really pairs and is in conjunction with what we talked about last week. And so what I'm going to do real quick, real briefly, is I'm going to give you a recap of verses 1 through 10, what we addressed last week. And that's going to kind of set the stage for what Paul is saying this week in verses 12 through 17. And so our God statement this evening, what I want to talk to you about tonight is Jesus is worthy. Everyone say, Jesus is worthy. <clears throat> Jesus is worthy. I'm, I'm preaching with a cup of tea this evening because everybody told me I was too hyper last week when I was preaching. <laughs> so this is an attempt at me trying to scale it down. And I'm trying to preserve my voice because we have high school retreat this weekend. So... You're going to have to bear with me. I'll try not to get too crazy, but no promises. If you were not here last week, okay, we talked about how Jesus makes all things new. Verses 1 through 10 in Colossians chapter 3, Paul is talking to the believers in Colossae. In the first four verses, he's trying to, he's trying to set the stage for, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, you see, everyone say see. You see a new reality. We see something for what it is in Christ. And there's kind of five things that he begins to unveil to the people in Colossae going, look, if you follow Jesus, you believe and you see these five things. Number one, that there is not just a God, there is one God who stands over all things. He is, he is the God over the beginning and the end. The God who was and is and is to come. There is this God. Now this God has revealed himself to humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. And he has taken Jesus Christ through his life, death, and resurrection. And he has taken him and he has seated him at the right hand of the Father. And he is above everything. And when we talk about above, Paul isn't just saying like, hey, he's over Colorado Springs. He's over the atmosphere. He's over the universe. It's like, no, no, no. Like Jesus is preeminence. He is over every thought. He's the most ultimate truth, the most ultimate reality that is. Okay, so this Jesus, he stands above all things. Now, for those who follow Jesus, he says, you died. Everyone say, you died. You died. What he's saying is, if you're a believer, the part inside you that, that wants to rebel against God, the part inside you that, that does not care about submitting your life to God, the, the part in you that is hostile towards God, that part died. And your life now, the life that you live here and now, is hidden with Christ and God. And we talked last week about what that means. We got the affection of the Father, the affection of the Son, their relationship and intimacy with one another. And for the believer Their life now is hidden in that intimacy. And so then what he says is he goes, look, that's not the end. He said, actually, the here and now, all the circumstances, what we see happening in life is not the bottom line for the believer. But there's going to come a time where Christ is going to return again. And instead of that reality being hidden, Jesus is going to make it public to the world who are his Okay, and so then the question was, okay, if if the believer sees all of those things to be true, what does that mean for our lives? Then we went to verse five. And I wanna put this back up here. Verse five, 
verses five through nine. I want you to read this with me real quick one more time. So he says, if you can see all of this, if you can see this as reality, this is what it means for the believer. Everyone say, put to death. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, he's talking to the believers, when you were living in them, but now, everyone say, but now. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So this is what Paul then says to the believers. He says, look, if you're a follower of Jesus and you see this new reality, then here's what you should do. You should put off everything that hinders your ability to experience who you are in Christ. Are you with me? Now catch this. Can we put the next slide up? It's, that, it's, it's a chart here, okay? So this is what he says. He goes, look, all of these things, they're going to hinder your ability. They won't change the truth of who you are, but they will hinder your ability to experience who you are in God the Father, God the Son. So what does he say to you? He says, put these things to death. Get them out of your life. He said, these things, they're gonna, they're gonna hinder your ability to know who you are in Christ. So put them to death. Now here's the thing. Whenever God strips us of something, takes something away, destroys something, knocks something down, he puts something in its place. Are you with me? Put something in its place. So the question that we're having here tonight is, if these are the things that we are to put to death, then what are the things that are to take their place? I'm glad you asked. Verse 12, this is our text for this evening. He says, put on then, everyone say, put on then. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must Forgive. And above all, everyone say above all. Above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. I love this sentence. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to which all God's people said. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I thank you that your presence is here and among us tonight. Lord, I lift up myself, I lift up my friends that you would open up our eyes to see the jewels, the preciousness, the value of what we have read in your word here this evening. Lord, I pray that you would make it precious to us. Lord, I pray that you would open up our eyes to maybe for the first time or to yet again see that reality that Paul was setting the stage for. Father, 
I, I pray that you would restore confidence and assurance in your sons and daughters this evening that there is nothing that can hinder, halt, or change the will that you have for our lives and the plan that you have for our lives and the work that you finished on our behalf in the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing. You invite us to walk in full confidence. And so Lord, as we identify the things that you've asked us to put to death that hinder our ability to experience who we are in you, I pray that you would show us tonight the things that can help us experience the truth of who we are in you tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would help us embrace those things for one reason and one reason alone. And that's because Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. So would you come? Would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe? And if you're with me tonight, can you say amen? amen. I need a volunteer. Jones Egan, get up here. Jones Egan, get up here. Okay, I'm gonna do the best I can to illustrate what Paul is doing right here. Okay, so what Paul has said up to this point is he's going, look, if you're a follower of Jesus, you see this new reality. And in light of this new reality, what I want you to do is I want you to put to death the things that are gonna hinder that experience. And in its place, you're going to embrace the things that help you experience who you are in Christ. Now, I did an illustration similar to this at junior high retreat. I promise, Jones, I won't hurt you like I hurt the kid at junior high retreat, okay? So, okay, take your hat off for me, okay? I'm gonna blindfold you. Right? Dude, you're so tall. This is really unsatisfying. There we go, there we go. Is it covering his eyes? Yeah. Covering his eyes, okay. All right, so this is, this is what Paul's saying. Sorry, Jones, I'm gonna, you have such long hair, bro. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay, walk with me, walk with me. Okay, this is, what, this is what Paul's saying. Is he saying, look, at one point in life, Believers, or anybody who doesn't know who God is, is like this. They don't have the ability to see reality for what it is. Are you tracking with me? But that's not all, okay? We don't just see reality for what it's not. Jones, I hope your biceps aren't hurting too badly today, okay? I want you to bend down. I have a cinder block on your right and on your left, okay? I want you to pick them up. Stand up and pick them up, okay? Yeah, oh yeah, look at the deadlift motion, the deadlift motion. Okay, bear with me here. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain what I did to the junior high kid here in a second. Okay, so, so this is what happens. What he's saying is, look, you can't see reality for what it is, and not only that, you're carrying things that are gonna hinder your ability to receive all that God is for you, okay? So here's what happens, and Jones, I'm gonna have you turn. Keep holding those, no, don't drop them. If you break the stage, I'm gonna get in trouble, okay? So this is what happens. Now let's just say I'm God the Father, okay? And let's just say this is my love, okay? Okay, this, 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 this kickball is my love. Okay, now here's the thing. I as God the Father, I initiate, humanity responds, okay? God initiates his love, we respond to his love. Now, if I had to say, Jones, here's the deal. You're going to catch my love in your hands, but here's the problem, you can't drop the cinder blocks, okay? Okay, so you catch my love in your hands, and that is the symbol of you receiving my love. Now why couldn't he receive my love? Two reasons why. 
He can't see my love. He doesn't have the ability to see what really is happening. But what's the other reason? He has something in his hands. And this is what Paul is saying that, that okay, so keep holding it, Jones. All right, I know it's hurt. When I did this with a junior high kid, I didn't blindfold him, I made him pick up a whiteboard, okay? So I made him pick up a whiteboard and put it over his eyes. And then I stood right here and I gave him no warning what I was going to do. And I beamed the Paul and hit the whiteboard and smacked him in the face. It was awesome, his name was Paul. He was like this big, he lived. Okay, okay, so, so this is what Paul, bear with me, okay, bear with me. So this is, this is, this is what Paul is saying Christ does for us. Walk with me, Jones. Keep bearing. You're gonna drop it? Okay, here, I'm gonna take it for you. I'm gonna take it for you. Okay, now walk, walk with the other one. Walk with the other one. So let's say now, right here on this beautiful rug, I don't know if you can see this rug, this is what it means to be in Christ. Now when we are in Christ, what Jesus does is, yeah, Christ takes the weight of the world out of our hands, and what he does is he gives us eyes to see, okay? I'm gonna have you, just, I'm gonna just have you sit right here, Jones. Now, now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, okay, Jones, I want you to receive my love. And he has the ability to see it and to hold it. <laughs> How precious, isn't my love so precious? It's so precious. This, this is getting weird, go sit down, go sit down. Okay, now here, here's what I want you to catch. Here's what I want you to catch. What God does for us, hear me, in the person of Jesus Christ, is he draws us to a place, he brings us to a place where we can receive and experience who he is. This is why people have a hard time with God because the assumption is, is that we're standing here with weights in hand, inability to see, God's initiating his love and we don't have the ability to receive it, why? Because we're carrying the weight of the world and we can't see. But God is much more generous than that. And this is what Paul is getting us to see. He's going, no, 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 no. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a lot more generous and a lot more kind. What he's going to do is he's going to bring his people to a place where first they're able to see truth for what it is. They're able to see that there is one God and that this one God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus and that this Jesus stands above all things. He is preeminent. There is nothing better than him. And for those who follow him, they have died. They have submitted their wills, their life to God and they have put their faith in this Jesus. And so now their life is no longer about their performance. It's no longer about their religion. It's no longer about what they can do for God. Their life now is about being hidden with God in Christ, experience the, experiencing the affection that God the Father and God the Son have for one another, okay? And knowing that there is actually a future hope beyond right now in which Jesus is going to reveal that we are his. So therefore, what we should do is we should let go of anything that might hinder our ability to receive God's love for us. Are you with me? And so this is what, this is what Paul says. He goes, if you're a follower of Jesus, now this is like where it gets confusing because you're like, wait a minute. If I, I, I started following Jesus when I was seven years old, but here's the problem. You've continued to pick up these weights over the course of the last 10 years, right? 
So how do we reconcile this? You're a follower of Jesus, but maybe you wrestle with pornography. Or you're a follower of Jesus, but you hate your body image. Or you're a follower of Jesus, but you're very concerned about what the world thinks about you. Or you're a follower of Jesus, but you couldn't care less for your mother and your father. You don't wanna honor them. You're a follower of Jesus, but you hate yourself. Are you with me? Now, here's the thing. Like, when we talk about this, like, uh, okay, but that's reality for all of us. And Paul knows this. Paul knows that once you give your life to Jesus, once you submit your will, that doesn't mean you're no longer going to struggle with sins. What it means is he's saying, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to do. Continue to put to death. Continue to let those things go. Why do we continue to let these things go? Because what God wants to give us in its place is the things in which help us experience who we are in Christ. Are you with me? And so we get, when we get to verse 12, okay, and Paul says, put on then, this is what he's doing. Can we put up that table, that chart? He's saying, look, I want you to put to death all of the things that are gonna hinder your experience of who you are in Christ. And what I want you to do is I want you to put on, I want you to receive all of the things that will help you experience who you are in Jesus Christ. Now I want you to hear me. I say again, these things cannot change who we are. Okay? The things, that, the things that hinder our experience when you've given your life to Jesus and yet you still struggle with sin. This is not what's happening. This isn't you like, like this is the line of salvation and every time you struggle with sin, you're jumping back and forth. That's not what's happening. What he's saying is he's going, no, 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 no. What God has done for you in Christ is final and it's finished. The invitation in the here and now is for you to be able to simply experience that. And in order for you to experience that, he says, Put on these, put on a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. We'll talk about that one more here in a second. Forgiveness and love. Now this is where most people, especially if you're not a believer, maybe you came here tonight for the first time, or you have friends at school who will sit and look at you and say, yeah, like this is like the list that like proves Christians have no fun. This is like the list that like prove like, like Christians don't live in reality. This is the list right here where it's like, like Christians feel like they're kind of trying to be moral police or, or they, they kind of live at this like hypocritical reality where it feels like, you know what, like if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll say you'll do your things on the right, but really you kind of do more of the things on the left, right? And it's like, it's just like not true. And if that's you here tonight, I need you to hear me say, you are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. As a believer, the statement we do are, are not making is that we are never these things on the left anymore and we are only the things on the right. I, I, I often find myself in the list on the left in my day-to-day -day experience. But I need you to hear me. What the gospel is saying is that not because of my works, but because of Jesus' works, the list on the left is no longer what is true of me. Why? Because it's not true of Christ. Are you with me? The list on the right is something that is always true of Christ. Are you with me? 
So, so what we have in the person of Jesus is a person, okay, uh, the, the God dwelling among us in the flesh who had the fullest and the most perfect compassionate heart. What we have in the person of Jesus is kindness to perfection. What we have in the person of Jesus is humility to perfection, is meekness to perfection, is patience to perfection, to bearing with us in our brokenness to perfection, forgiving us to perfection, loving us to perfection. Now remember what Paul says last week. He said, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So what he's saying is he's saying, what's actually true of who we are has to be true of who Christ is. And the list on the right is always true of what Christ is. Are you with me? So then this is what Paul says. He says, if you want to experience who you are in Christ, the truth of who you are in Christ, this is why we embrace the list on the left or the right. This is, this, is why, this is why instead of continuing to pick up our sin, he says, no, 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 put those things to death and keep putting those things to death. And he says, instead, oh my goodness, my ball's all the way over here, okay? Instead, he goes, I want you to pick up when your brother in Christ or, or when your brother sins against you, instead of standing in bitterness, he goes, forgive him. Why? Not because... I need to forgive him in order to have right standing with God. But because I have experienced what's true about forgiveness in Christ, so therefore now, when I forgive my brother, I experience what's true of me in Christ. Are you with me? Okay, when, when the Lord gives you an opportunity to be patient, like if you have a friend who listens to Christmas music and you hate Christmas music, right? And you, you choose instead of anger, wrath, or malice, which sounds pretty indicative of like how you would feel if a friend listened to Christmas music earlier, right? He's saying, he's saying, instead of embracing those things, he's saying when you put on patience, what you are doing is you are experiencing what is true of you in Christ. Are you following me? Now this is when the gospel gets really cool, really difficult, really awesome. The question that we have to ask ourselves here and now is, okay, if this is true, if, if we should embrace the list on the right, because when we embrace the list on the right as followers of Jesus, we experience what's true of us. What is the context and what is the place in which God allows us to experience those things? Now, I want you to pay attention here because when Joan started, he's standing all the way over here outside of the love of God over here bearing the weight of the world and he's blind. And so what God does because he loves him, what Jesus does because he loves him is he draws him to a place in Christ, right? To which he can receive. Now we have something, we have something that we call this in Christianity. God drawing you to a place where you can receive. You know what we call that? Decreasing. It's God bringing you to the end of yourself. You with me? It's God bringing you to a place where you stop seeing yourself as absolutely awesome and absolutely ultimate. It's God bringing you to a place where he can show you that his way, the list on the right, is much better than the list 
on the left. But in order for you to receive that, he's got to bring you to a place where you can see it. And so how does God do that? How does he bring us to a place where we can receive it? Two things that I want you to catch here tonight that are really important. The first place with which God does this primarily with his followers is in the context of the body of Christ. Check this out. Can we go to verse 16? I think it's, oh, 15, 15. I was so close, so close. Verse 15, he says this, and let the peace of Christ rule. Everyone say rule. Rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in what? In what? Okay, if you're not somebody who comes to church very often, let me explain what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying is that if you're a follower of Christ, you have been invited in to a community, a community to where your faith, your faith in Jesus and your walk with Jesus cannot simply just be personal and private, but in fact, you are called into a community of people of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, male, female, rich, poor, black, white, all of the above coming together. And the language that the New Testament uses for this community is a body. He's going, look, if you're gonna follow Jesus, you're not gonna do it by yourself. You're gonna have to do it with other people. You know why that's important? Go back to that list. Can we put that list back up on the screen, the little two graphs? You know you can't have a compassionate heart or ever learn to have a compassionate heart without other people. You with me? You know that you cannot learn how to be kind to someone else unless there is in fact someone else, okay? You cannot learn the opportunity to be humble, to put yourself lower unless there is someone to put above you. Are you following me? You catching this list? The list on the right doesn't exist apart from other people. Are you with me? Okay, go back, go back, to, go back to verse 15, 16, wherever we were. 15, 16, wherever we were. So he says, okay, I'm calling you into one body. Catch this word. And be what? And be what? Okay, pay attention to that because we're gonna go back to that. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing who? Who? One another. Look to the person next to you and say you. Look at yourself and say me. That was so funny to watch. That was great. One another, in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What does verse 16 sound like? You know what it sounds like to me? Let me read it again to you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Where do we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs? Where do you do that in your life? Where? We just did it like 10 minutes ago. Catch this. See what Paul is saying? Is he saying, look, you know the place in which God is going to teach you to put on a compassionate heart, where God is gonna teach you to put on patience and kindness and humility and bearing with other people and forgiveness and love. He says the context in which he's gonna primarily do that is the body of Christ. Pay attention here. 
This is why we gather as the church weekly. This is why church matters. This is why you can't start following Jesus and then just go, you know what, I'm gonna just do it by myself in my closet or on a mountaintop. We need one another. Look at your neighbor and say you. Look at yourself and say me. Me, right? Like this is, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, if you're gonna learn to follow Jesus and if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, that means you're gonna have to do it in the body of Christ. You're going to have to do it with brothers and sisters. You cannot isolate yourself. And so you're asking me, you're going like, man, like my life, my life is filled, Pastor Tim, of me continually doing this every day where I'm picking up like all of those things that Paul's saying put to death, like, and it's heavy and I can't get rid of it and I'm having such a hard time with it and I don't know how to like break this cycle. I don't know how to continue like to, to cease picking up the weight of the world and like setting it down. Like what is the means of grace by which God has given me to help me stop this and do more of this? And what he, Paul's saying here is he's going, learn to not do it alone. Learn to not do it alone. Learn how to put to death the things of this world with brothers and sisters in Christ. You know how you put your sin to death? Confession, repentance. You know what you need to confess and repent? Brothers and sisters in Christ. He's going, look, you want to experience who you are in Christ, what's true about you, who you are in Christ. One of the primary ways God is going to do that, primary, not exclusively, is in the context of the body of Christ. This is why gathering with brothers and sisters who follow Jesus is so important. You can't follow Jesus on your own brothers and sisters. This is what it means to put on the things of God. But that's not the only way. And this the second way is probably gonna be a little bit harder of a pill to swallow. I wanna pivot here to what Paul says in Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, 27 through 29. This is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. Paul says this, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints, for the believers according to the will of God. Catch this here in verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things, everyone say all things. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Don't be scared of that word predestined. It just means predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So this is what Paul is saying. He's saying for followers of Jesus, this person, Jesus, works all things for the good of those who love him. So how does God, go back to that list, what hinders and what helps, how does God bring us to the place where we can experience who he is? This is what's hard. Hard to believe, but like if you can catch it, this is why believers can use this term joy and affliction. 
God will use your sin. God will use your brokenness. God will use your pain. God will use the circumstances of the world to draw you to a place where you can receive from him. You know how he might do that? You notice how Jones, after like the course of like five minutes, started feeling like these were really heavy and he came to this reality that he couldn't hold it on his own? This is what God does, is he'll use your sin. He'll use your brokenness to bring you to a reality that you can't do this on your own. He uses all things. You know what that could mean? It could mean that God would use your parents' divorce to show you how much you're in desperate need of a savior. It could mean that God will use your addiction to show you how much you are in need of a savior. It could mean that God could use an election to show a country how much they're in need of a savior. It could mean that God could use wars and rumors of wars and all of the brokenness that you might see in your life to draw us to a place to see and to receive that we need a savior. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? What I'm saying here is that God wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. If you were to close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. I want you to take an account and I want you to think through your entire life. I want you to think through everything that has gone well in your life. Maybe your family's awesome. Maybe you have incredible friendships. Maybe you're loving your sport. You're loving your school. All of the things that like go well. I want you to think about all of the things in your life that has not gone well. I want you to think about the parts of your life that are the most hidden, that are the most dark, that nobody knows about. I want you to think of the memories that you have that you hate, that you've done everything you can to forget. Things that you have done that you know you shouldn't have and things that have been done to you that were wrong. Think about all of it. All of it. Think about the great days, the bad days, the groundhog days. The relationships in your life. The thoughts that you have. The dreams that you have. The home that you live in. The school that you attend, the city that you live in. All those things, okay, open your eyes. Paul is saying the promise of the gospel and of the goodness and sovereignty of our God is that he will use all of the things that you just thought through. All of it. to bring you to a place 
where you can let go of the things that hinder your experience of who you are in Christ. And he will use those things to draw you to a place where you can receive and what you can see what is truest about you. Are you with me? Now this is so difficult because there's so many things that you might've just thought through where you can go, how could that be for me? How could that sin be for me? How could that brokenness be for me? And this is where those words that Joseph says back in Genesis begin to start ringing really loud. That God has the ability to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. And this is where, as followers of Jesus, things might get a little bit difficult, but they get really beautiful. Because you know what God invites us to do in light of all of that? in light of all things, in light of being with the body of Christ, you know what he asked us to do? Check this out, let's read verse 15, 16 and 17 again. We'll go to that last, that last slide, second to last slide. Check out these words, we read through them twice now, but I want you to catch them now on the third time. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be what? Say it again. If you have a Bible, I want you to underline this verse, this word in your church and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with what? With what? With what? With thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? Thanks to God the Father through him. So you know what the invitation is for people who follow Jesus, who see true reality, who put to death the things of this world, who embrace the things that God has given us and in all circumstances, in everything that has taken place in our life, in the good, in the bad, you know what he invites us to do? Give thanks. I want you to think about how wild this is. That in light of the worst thing that is happening in your life right now, what Paul is asking you to do as a follower of Jesus is thank God. Why? Because if what we just said is true, then what it means is that God is using that, the worst of things in your life, to draw you to a place where you can let go and simply receive what is true about you. Drew, can you bring down the lights? Brothers and sisters, can you bow your heads? I wanna end tonight just a little bit different with you sitting in your seat. I'm gonna ask you to get up and come forward here in a second. But I want you to take a moment and I just wanna ask you a couple questions and I wanna invite you. I wanna invite you into a moment of faith tonight. You know, because contrary to popular belief, like it takes faith to put to death 
the things that'll hinder our experience of who we are in Christ. It takes faith to put on the things in which help our experience of who we are in Christ. And it takes faith to give thanks in light of all circumstances. It takes faith. And so if you're a follower of Jesus in here, I'm gonna start with you. This is the question that I wanna ask you and I asked it last week, but I wanna ask you again. What in your life needs to be put to death? What in your life is hindering your ability to experience who you are, who the true you is in Jesus Christ? Here's another way to ask this question. What in your life needs to decrease? In other words, where in your life do you need to be brought to the end of yourself? You know why this is important for followers of Jesus? Because decrease cultivates dependence. Decrease shows us that we cannot depend on ourselves but that we need one outside of ourselves to meet a need that we cannot meet. And so what God's doing is he's saying, let me, let me utilize that sin, let me utilize that brokenness to show you that you have a need that you cannot meet yourself and that pornography will never meet, that that relationship will never meet that that substance will never meet, that your thoughts will never meet. Decrease, it leads to dependence, it leads you, it leads you to realize that you're in need. You're in need of God. And you know what the beautiful thing about dependence is? Is dependence always leads to intimacy. Closeness nearness, experience of who you are in Christ. This might be maybe a little bit more specific way to ask this question. Who in your life are you not forgiving? Is there someone in your life that you are harboring unforgiveness towards? bitterness towards, and you do not want to let that bitterness go. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, that unforgiveness is hindering you from experiencing what God has given you in Christ, what's true of you. So that's a question for you to ask. Who, who in your life needs, do you need to forgive? Do you need to let that bitterness, that anger, that wrath, that malice go? Who is it? Where in your life 
might you be meditating on fear. On fear. In the worst case scenario. Where you are, you are literally internally living a reality that's not true. Where you think the worst is always going to happen. So you walk around with anxiety. You walk around with a weight on your chest all the time because you're just so afraid, you're so anxious. You're not in control. What Paul's saying here is he's saying, look, let tomorrow, let whatever could happen go into the arms and into the hands of Jesus Christ. And if you can let that go, that thing that you're holding on to is hindering your ability to experience who you are in Jesus Christ and the fact that your God stands over all things. He's got you. Maybe you're in here tonight and you hate the idea of doing life with other people. You just wanna isolate yourself. You wanna be alone. Paul's saying here is he's going, look, you need the body of Christ. You need brothers and sisters who are just as imperfect as you are, who need just as much grace as you do. And you have to do life with them. And doing life with them is gonna teach you how to receive and how to experience who you are in Jesus Christ. Friends, this is the invitation of the gospel that we would decrease. We'd put to death the things that have us be consumed with ourselves and in its place we embrace the things that help us fix our eyes on Jesus. So here's what I wanna do. We're gonna, we're gonna move into a moment of worship here. And in a second, I'm gonna call you forward. But before I call you forward, you can stay where you're seat, seated or you can move around. Don't move around just yet. I wanna pray over you. I wanna pray over you and I, I just want you to take these thoughts. I want you to take these things before you and the Lord right now. And in faith, if you're willing, I want you to release them. Just give them to God. And there's only one reason that I can tell you why you should do that. And it's really simple. Jesus is worthy. <laughs> He's worthy of you laying down whatever needs to be laid down. And he's worthy of you putting on whatever needs to be put on. So Heavenly Father, I lift up myself and my friends. And I thank you that you are worthy. 
that you've invited us into a life where you are continually and you are daily bringing us to the end of ourselves so that we can receive and experience what is true of us in Christ. And so Father, I pray you would give myself, my brothers, my sisters, the strength, the faith, and the humility to let go, to put to death the things of the flesh to put on the things that are true of us in Christ. Would you teach us? Would you show us? Friends, let's worship the Lord.